Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the ECC Insiders. I'm Joel. I'm Lee. So this episode is going to be interesting. Uh, it is a little bit of a history lesson, but we promise it is not going to be boring. Uh, it's actually a really interesting perspective about East Central College, when it was formed, why it was formed in 1968 to present day. And just hearing the stories about how it changed, why it had to change into the betterment of the local area and the local economy from a time when you didn't have the internet, when everything was written down, to now we use technology for almost everything. To hear how it's changed is so very interestingly, especially from one person in particular who's seen it from the beginning day up until now. And while ECC's history is unique and distinct, we also find that it's kind of a microcosm of the booming of the community college that was going on all across America in the 1960s. And what really intrigues me about the community college, because it is essentially kind of a new history, is that so much of its original mission of both having distinct goals of offering its students opportunities to learn and grow and directly enter the workforce and to also learn and prepare for transfer to go to four-year institutions, we still see those kind of common missions um, across the community college landscape. So, so much has changed, yet a lot of really important, valuable things are really similar in terms of what community colleges offer their communities. And a lot of that comes up in our conversation today in terms of also the great value of higher education in general, but what community colleges offer as well. Nice to, to, nice to listen to uh, the current president of East Central College, Dr. John Bauer, and a very unique perspective from a person who was a student at East Central College, a part-time worker at East Central College, who was a full-time worker at East Central College employee, to a college administrator who is currently serving as a board member for East Central College in Cookie Hayes. So to hear all those perspectives over the last, from her perspective, the last 40 to 45 years, uh, very interesting to see her perspective in, even to the classes and programs that she took up until how she views the college today. We hope you join us and listen in to the conversation. Joining us now, Dr. John Bauer, president of East Central College and Cookie Hayes, current East Central College Board of Trustees member. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Good to be here. It's wonderful to be with you both. We wanted to start out and ask you about your own personal experiences as students at a community college. Well, I guess I could start. Um, when I graduated from high school many, many years ago, actually it was 1970, there was no community college in our neighborhood. And uh, the thought of going to college was pretty daunting. No one in my family had gone. So um, I didn't have many options. But fortunately for me, East Central College became a reality shortly after I graduated. And it opened all sorts of doors for me. My story's a little different, perhaps. I, I always knew I was going to go to college. I don't remember that ever being a decision, but I was thrown a bit of a curveball in high school with my family moving from uh, Ohio, where I grew up and really knew the landscape there, and then moving to Missouri 
when I was a senior in high school where I didn't know the landscape at all. So knowing that I was going to go to college, all of a sudden now it's where am I going to go? And fortunately, um, we, we were in Jefferson County, Missouri, Jefferson College, well-established. I had family uh, attending there, so it provided an opportunity for me to kind of get my sea legs as a college student, get to know this area, having only been here a year, and then figure out what was next. So for, for different reasons, I think for both of us, it really suited what we needed at that time in our lives coming out of high school. Cookie, this is 1971 when you started at what was then East Central Junior College? Yes, yes. Is that correct? Had a different name back then. Had a different name back then. So what were you, so give us a little bit of the, what was it like then? What did it look like? What did it feel like? And what did you, what did you uh, major in? What kind of classes did you take? (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, everything was different. We had no permanent facility. We had classes in the local auditorium, and um, it it was pretty interesting because the library was in the basement, and the basketball team practiced in the gym above the library. So you can imagine, it it was a little (laughs) challenging, but everyone felt like they were part of something really important, and um, so it, it was an exciting time. Now, I mentioned that No one in my family had ever gone to college before. So I was really kind of writing the book as I went along. And I majored in secretarial science, as women did back then, and finished an associate degree, was hired by East Central College, and then kept going to school. And um, over time, I was able to to move up to different positions. So um, it was a different time, but boy... It really, um, it gave me a direction. For Jefferson College, it was a, just a, it was a different point in, in the college's history. So it was well-established. Uh, so this wasn't a, the case of attending a new institution. Um, it, had, it had been around, been serving the areas, uh, you know, in Jefferson County, the communities in Jefferson County. So that part of my experience was was different, but it did provide an opportunity to explore a bit. I knew generally I was interested in journalism. I didn't know where I would go uh, after Jefferson College. One thing that was new at the time, this was a period when cable television was expanding across the country, and typically to get a cable franchise, you had to have a local access station, and East Central had one. Jefferson College had one that was new, so I was able to... uh, get involved uh, with the local access television station right away, which matched my interest. But I was busy the first year changing majors every couple of weeks uh, until I finally settled on something. And that's uh, only a slight exaggeration, but still benefited from the opportunity to do that kind of exploration and, and kind of, and then rule out that it wasn't safe for anybody uh, if, if I were to try to become an engineer, for example. So I did find my sweet spot eventually um, but I knew generally going in that probably journalism w- was going to be it. So, um, you know, I had the opportunity, like many of our students do now, to have that experience right away. I mean, hands-on experience and not wait to kind of get into the uh, the, the TV ranks or wait to do this. Uh, you're, you're there for a couple of years, and so you get to, to do whatever you want right away. And that was certainly my experience. Coincidentally, because of that experience, the first time I ever set foot on the East Central College campus was with a little TV crew coming here to do a basketball game, probably no more than 25 feet from where we're sitting right now. That Mm. was my first 
time on the East Central College campus had no idea how much time I would spend later. <laughs> You're a prototypical community college student. You changed majors every two weeks. Yeah, like well, any college student, <laughs> really. Well, true, valid. Well, and you know that that that's a good point. When when I have the chance to talk to students, I think every student that there are interesting things and, and about community college students. If you're not a traditional student, you assume you're going to be the oldest student on campus, whether you are 24, 34, you know, go all the way up. And obviously, there's someone who's who's the oldest student at any one time. Uh, but there's a sense that it's. Uh, the population will all be recent high school graduates except me. There's also a sense that I'm the only one who ever changed my major. Everybody else comes here and has this whole plan. And uh, when I, well, when I have a chance to talk to students at orientation, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll use the metaphor of a road trip. And it may be that your road trip will go exactly as planned and you, your schedule will not deviate. But for most people taking a road trip, a vacation or some other road trip, even if you have a fairly general idea of how it's going to go, it usually is quite different uh, than, than what you envisioned. And that's normal for college. And frankly, it's the beauty of a community college because students have the opportunity for that exploration. If I could also add something about the faculty at the community college, I found that they were extremely supportive, especially when I was starting out because, uh, well, they all felt like we were part of the same big thing that was happening. And also, the students are adults. So it's a little different, I think, than being a faculty member at a high school level or an elementary level because you're dealing with people who are, are dealing with adult issues. So the faculty were so supportive and, and just really kind of promote confidence in the students. That was the hallmark uh, for me. And when I look back, I, I don't, I'm sure I didn't appreciate it at the time. But when I think about my experience as a community college student at Jefferson College, the faculty I learned from were experienced faculty. Uh, that's, they, they, they didn't do research. They taught. They had been in the classroom a long time. Many of them had other experiences outside of their roles as, as a faculty member, but uh, in, in a relatively small setting, maybe 20 or 30 people, uh, largest lecture, not much larger than that. Uh, we were learning from very experienced teachers, and I, I see now the benefit of that. I, don't, I know I didn't realize that at the time because coming out of high school, that's who you were taught by. Experienced teachers one way or the mm -hmm. other, you, you assumed everyone was experienced and that they even lived at school. But looking back, I see now how important that really was. We know that there was kind of this huge sea change in the middle of the 20th century um, that gave birth to junior colleges all across America. And we'll talk about that more in depth um, in another episode. But what are some other, and we'll ask about changes too, but what are some consistencies? I think you both just hopefully touched on one in terms of experienced faculty, but what are some other consistencies you've seen in the decades that have passed? I don't know if this gets to the point, but I, I remember in the early years, it was very important for community colleges to kind of stake out their place in the educational landscape, our courses had to transfer if that was the intent or our courses had to lead to a, a career in, immediately after East Central. But 
needing to transfer our courses meant that we had to have a reputation and had to have um, kind of a pattern of success with our students so that the colleges and universities would take us and take our credit seriously. And so there was a lot of work on the front end um, working on that. I think one thing that has stayed constant is uh, the the primary mission of transfer. So uh, community colleges do all sorts of things, uh, but our history goes back to those first two years of a baccalaureate education. And even in a comprehensive institution such as East Central or Jefferson College when I was there, although there are different paths, most of the students are still entering college, entering a community college with the idea of transferring. Their ultimate goal for most students is a bachelor's degree. So that first two years, that transfer model is still uh, the bread and butter. Uh, it's, it's, where we, uh, it's where most of our students see themselves, and it's where most of our credit hours are generated. That has stayed the same. The, the, the part that has changed over time, I think, is uh, the expansion into other areas, um, uh, more programs that are intended to go right into the workforce, and now programs that are even uh, designed primarily in terms of workforce development, kind of a third dimension of a comprehensive community college, which decades ago we really weren't doing any of that. Those are all additions to our mission but when you look at our enrollment, you look at the number of students uh, coming to us and what their goals are, those first two years of a four-year degree are still the primary mission in terms of uh, what our students want and where our focus is. I was thinking about, so John had, going back to your, on the history part of this cookie, did you pick the one program that you felt aligned with your interests or were the options just that limited back then? is where Dr. Bowers, you know, had one per major per week for a while. Frankly, I didn't know what my interests were back then. Uh, my father was a businessman, and so I thought, well, something in business, that sounds good. So that's what I pursued. Um, but I, I didn't have a lot of direction, and I didn't have parents who had gone to college. So um, it was a first-generation kind of thing. But that was a very common major for young women. I, in fact, I don't remember seeing any young men in that program. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think how, about, how about the coincidence? And so in the early 70s, you're a first-generation college student. You're really not sure what you want to take, but you know it's in business. Fast forward 50-plus years later, that same sentence and that same trend is still happening 50 years later. Mm -hmm. You would think over time that that would have gone away, but it, it just it just hasn't, right? Right, right. Uh, choosing a major is probably one of the most difficult things a person can do. And even when you choose one, quite often you end up doing something different, but that's okay. You're learning so much along the way. You're learning how to think. You're learning how to learn. You're learning how to, to talk to people and work with people. And so even if you make some changes, you could always pick up some more skills along the way. But just getting that um, basis of how to learn and how to be around other people is good, is important. 
you don't know what you don't know. So I, I think, uh, you know, my experience was still very much uh, uh, one where I could, uh, I, I, I learned topics, I, uh, subjects I, I didn't have in high school. I, I learned about things I didn't even know I would be interested in, thanks in large part to the inspiration and the teaching of the, the, the faculty I had. For example, I had never well, I guess I, I was in some fifth grade operetta, but other than that, I was never on stage. And, and as a community college student, I had an opportunity to be in, be in some plays, something I never thought I would do. And I didn't pursue that, never thought of pursuing it professionally, but I did have that opportunity to have this well-rounded experience that, you know, frankly, I probably wouldn't have had at, at a larger institution. Uh, or a different kind of institution. So I think that's true of a lot of our students. I, I agree entirely. There are some majors that tend to be sort of catch-alls, but that's because we expect students to, I'm thinking especially of traditional students, to have some epiphany around the age of 18 where they can figure out the rest of their lives and just go from there. It rarely happens. So, um, yeah, there are some majors that maybe have some more flexibility or if we're trying to, you know, steer someone uh, in, in one direction or another, there are some kind of natural directions. Uh, I, I like the model we have now where we have broad pathways, but students still have that chance to kind of hone in and focus on their academic or professional interest. But at the time, I mean, the only pathways were the ones you heard really from your high school guidance counselor, and that is, you know, college, not college. <laughs> that was that was really, those were the two pathways. And then you had to figure it out from there. Um, you know, I, I, I was the first generation student as well. So a lot of this, not only was I new here, but I my family was very supportive, but not in a way that, uh, that could guide me. I made these decisions myself, myself but fortunately, I, I think I had the latitude to do that, and I had the freedom to explore things a bit and, and, and kind of sort that out for myself, not according to some other timetable and not according to some other expectation or guidance. It's so nice to hear you both say that. I think it's so important for those of us who are perhaps farther away from our own college experiences to not have amnesia about what it's really like to be 18 or 19. It's always remarkable to me when students come in having really felt the expectation from every adult around them that they should know exactly what they want to do for the rest of their lives. I'm like, did we all forget what it was like to be 18? I remember that um, I, I took the business courses related to my major, and then I took general education, as they still do. But I really loved the general education courses more than the business courses. That should have told me something back then. <laughs> but um, that's why you... you take a well-rounded education so that you can really pursue your interests. I think we have to be careful about that very point, too. Uh, in other words, I think we need to encourage students not to take a class because they have to get it out of the way. Uh, <laughs> take a class because it's going to be beneficial and even be uh, really uh, w prepared to show that, to, to illustrate that, so that students really embrace brace those classes and, and, and not be so rigidly following a prescribed map or, or, or I do, I, I believe entirely in giving good guidance. I think we need to do that. Um, but I, I think there's just some tension there and, and we need to be careful that we're not, uh, advising or even implying to students that this is an important 
other than you have to get through this gate. <laughs> you have to get, you have to, you know, you have to hit this gate coming down the hill if, if you're thinking of skiing or something, as opposed to this is going to be beneficial. Um, you can learn a lot from, from, this, from this class, even if it's not closely associated with, with what you think your academic or professional interests are. I think a lot of the value of a community college is community colleges are the fact that they can evolve and change as the society and business and communities change. So kind of looking back, I'll start with Cookie and then John, your perspectives of how East Central College has changed, you know, maybe just not the buildings being built, but the programming and just how it's so how it's evolved so much. I think that's extraordinary, extraordinary and how quickly that a college can adapt and create programming. I remember years ago, there was a pretty set standard of of majors. There were career and technical majors and there were transfer majors, but they didn't vary very often. But now um, our programs have to be able to adapt with the world. I mean, look at computers. When we first had a computer program here, it was very traditional. Uh, You either went into basic programming, or you went into computer engineering as a transfer program. And now, I, gosh, I can't even list all the, the variations on a computer major that there is. But you have to be able to adapt and learn, learn how to learn. So I, we just have to be more flexible because the world is more flexible now. We are responsive to the communities we serve. That's that's the nature of a community college. And so we do need to be mindful of what the, the employers in the area need. Um, I think when I mentioned earlier the, the growth that we've seen over time from the transfer model to then the career and technical programs that we have that lead into the workforce and now the training that may be for credit or not for credit, or it could be non-credit, but could be uh, converted to credit for experience uh, over a period of time. That's, that's the kind of growth we've seen. And that's all done in response to uh, the communities we serve. So I think it's important that we do that, and we do that with quality. And I think it's important that we do that if we are really serious about college being for everyone. Um, it, we, we hear this a lot, uh, that a uh, college degree isn't as valuable as it used to be, or that college isn't for everyone, or you don't have to go to college. And, and I'll, have, uh, I'll hear that. I'll be part of those conversations, and, and someone will say, college, not everyone needs to go to college. They could go to, and usually it's East Central or community college. Well, that's, <laughs> that's college too. Um, and so our mission has certainly grown over time. But it needs to do that if we're serious about serving all students, as opposed to what I said before, where the two paths were your college or you're not. And especially if you're not, if that was if that's where you advised you, you had you had some headwinds. Uh, you really had to kind of uh, work against that that guidance uh, to, to find your way to college. Well, uh, now if, going back to our original mission. We were described and and started as open door institutions. If we're really open door institutions, then we need to have all of these paths available and all of these options be able to serve all students. Because I'll be the first to say that while the transfer experience uh, isn't of interest to, to everyone, everything we offer here 
can be of interest and value and should be uh, for different students. So we need to be sure to embrace that. One thing that I've always thought about is that quite often we pigeonhole students into, well, if you start in a career and technical program, that's where you stay the rest of your working life. But I'm an example of this. You may start that way, but life takes all sorts of twists and turns. And I was able to go on and and pick up some more courses so that I can transfer, get a bachelor's degree, and eventually get a master's degree. And that was not my original intent, but life takes you in different directions and you need to be able to adapt. And, And we, I think, prepare students to do that. Our mission is really similar to, uh, in, in many ways, to the, the, the mission and the idea of the land-grant universities a, a century earlier. Mm-hmm. And really, the, the purpose of the land-grant institutions was to be open to everyone who, who had interest in, in pursuing a college degree, including, you know, programs in uh, agriculture or uh, you know other disciplines in addition to the traditional liberal arts curriculum. So uh, in... In, in the 1960s, basically a, a century later, uh, the notion of the community college really followed in that same kind of model, but in a way that recognized that it's not just a bachelor's degree uh, for, for every student. There, there are other goals, other uh, credentials that matter, other ways to serve students, but the fundamental, the common uh, mission, the fundamental mission really of, of both institutions was this should not be a privileged experience. It should really be an experience that anyone uh, can access regardless of means and regardless of background. We talked, we talk about evolution of the land great university with evolution and education community colleges evolving to meet the local uh, communities and their needs. But Boy, even more and more finding this, how continuing education is so important as to your point, Cookie, about technology changing. So people have to also appreciate the continuing education aspect because technology is changing so quickly and the technology permeates across the board. It's not just the computers anymore, right? It's, it's every possible business and industry that you're seeing. Absolutely true. Well, we're seeing that right now with artificial intelligence. So um, on the one hand, there will be a need uh, for, for colleges to uh, teach and provide uh, programs uh, for those interested in working in artificial intelligence per se and, and developing it further. But uh, the broader impact, I think, is, is the way AI will affect every program that we have. Um, it's, it's certainly going to be uh, in, in career and technical programs first. It's going to be an issue, uh, it already is, in terms of uh, the medical professions. How does that impact your work as a nurse? How does it impact your work as a, a, an EMT or paramedic? Uh, and, and it's certainly going to be true in the skilled trades. And we know it impacts how uh, students experience the general education curriculum. And so that's just, that's just what, that's an example of something that we're there, we're working through now. And we certainly don't have all the answers. It's, it's not about uh, teaching it, people specifically how to work 
in artificial intelligence. It's how artificial intelligence is going to impact every aspect of their lives. So what does that mean and how does that affect learning? How does that affect teaching um, from the, the very uh, uh, common issues? What does it mean in terms of academic honesty when there are some very powerful tools readily available that will write papers? So how do our faculty know whether a student's doing uh, doing their own work uh, to things like how does it affect the workplace? How does it affect my uh, my academic experience? These are profound questions. We don't know the answers to these yet, but it's just the most recent example of how things affect how college changes over time. What are some of your hopes for the future? Boy, <laughs> it can be about East Central. It can be about this community college in America. I I hope that um, America communities in America embrace what community colleges can mean for the country because we provide a wonderful service at a very reasonable cost. And it's, it's an efficient way to, to prepare our future generations. And so I hope we, we continue to value community colleges and, um, you know, we need more of them, not, not, fewer? Well, I certainly hope we stay relevant. And, uh, and, and I think that's an important question. Um, there was a time when a college degree only meant one thing, really, and that was a very traditional bachelor's degree. And so in our sector, we have fought for a long time to explain and, and articulate the value of an associate degree. Where does that fit in the whole ecosystem of higher education? And I think we've shown that we're relevant. When I was a student, uh, about a quarter of the undergraduate students in Missouri went to community college, uh, just in terms of headcount. And now when you look at the uh, undergraduates at public institutions in Missouri, half of them, over half of them, are on community college campuses. So I think over time we have shown that we're relevant. But I don't think we can just assume that's always going to be the case. So in this within this, the context of this uh, uh, conversation about whether a college degree is worth it. We have to not just kind of stamp our feet and say that it's worth it. We need to show how that's the case. We need to stay relevant in terms of student expectations and balancing that with, with quality. Um, you know, we are very much in a, um, there is a consumer culture that we have to be aware of. So we have to be responsive to students and, and their expectations because if we're not, they'll, they'll go elsewhere. But we also need to be cognizant of the fact that we are relevant and do provide value. So we need to show how this works with, with, with the student's life. I don't think these things will happen just accidentally or will happen as a matter of course. I think we need to really work at it. Um, if we don't, somebody else is going to eat our lunch. And, and it's even more competitive now than it ever was. When community colleges in general were founded, we served a finite geographic region, and that had real uh, parameters that were established then as far as who could attend. Uh, you had to be within some reasonable driving distance. Well, distance now is kind of off the table. Um, uh, the reason why community colleges are looking at uh, programs such as bachelor's degrees in selected fields or bachelors of applied science, is one, there's a need um, for those, uh, the, those degrees. And also there is a, 
there, there, there is a group of students. There is a market, if you w- would, if you were, uh, that um, can avail themselves of those programs if we do it in in a in a quality way. But again, it's if we don't do that, then we're irrelevant, and somebody else is is filling that space. So I think we need to be very intentional about it. Frankly, in the same way that people were intentional about establishing and growing the community colleges back. Um, you know, in the 60s and early 70s. In the context of our conversation, is there anything other one of you would like to add that you'd like to share? Uh, One thing that I think we can't lose sight of is the cost of education. And as I said before, community colleges are efficient, but really what I meant by that is they are affordable and uh, we need to keep them affordable. And we need to, to value the importance of everyone getting education, getting a higher education, whether it's a certificate in a trade, a career technical area, whether it's a bachelor's, master's degree, whatever. But this country relies on the citizens knowing and, and figuring new things out. And that takes higher education. There was a pretty remarkable time after World War II that uh, led to the creation of community colleges, first of all, because there was interest, just like there was a century before, of making sure higher education was available to as many people as possible. We decided as, uh, as, uh, as a society that something like the GI Bill was important to provide an avenue and and. and Frankly, there were many people who attended college uh, because of the GI Bill, primarily men, almost exclusively men at that time who attended college who never would have attended otherwise. And there was also a sense, and this is why the community college movement took root, there was a sense that a college degree is both a private gain but also a public good. And over time, uh, the consumer culture I mentioned before is also kind of affected how we view that. And we see it as much more transactional uh, than we did decades ago. And now there's a general sense, probably overstating to make a point, that uh, the person or the, the, the individual who benefits from a college degree is the person getting that degree. And I am concerned that we've lost sight that it is both a private gain, private good, but also a public good. Our community benefits from that person getting a a college education. The reason why uh, people in this area decided East Central was important before it ever had that name, the reason why it was decided that a college in our community was so important was the recognition of the public good that it would bring. Opportunities for individuals, yes, and the public good that would come with it. And it's really both sides of that equation that are so important. Um, so I, I, I worry that we see a college education almost exclusively now as, as that the private gain and not the public good. And we need to reframe that conversation then because I think when, when you recognize both elements, then the question of whether a college degree is worth it, whether a college degree, whether college should be for everyone, those answers now start to shift. But if you're only going to view it as a private gain, then that leads to other answers that, and I think those are getting um, probably more prominence now. And uh, 
and we're talking less about that public benefit. We need to we need to consider both, and as institutions, whether it's on the governing board side, on the administrative side, the faculty side, uh, all of us need to recognize and and have that as common mission, and then that frames the work that's in front of us. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you both. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to ECC Insiders. A reminder to check out the show notes for more resources, including links to our website and our contact information. Until next time, stay engaged and keep learning.